I just booked a vacation. I'm packing my bags. Where are you going? Rock bottom. <laughs> oh, back to where it all started. She's going back home, boys. She's going home. Hey, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Um, you guys, welcome to... What? That's what disappeared. Uh, sure. Is that it? Who knows? Who cares? Is anyone listening? I don't know. Who knows? You guys, it's the podcast Ellen Marsh and I make where we recap our favorite TV show, IDs Disappear. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for doing this with me. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> You guys, if you want more shenanigans, join us on the Patreon. Each month, you get three bonus episodes. You also get our Friday Night Live as a podcast every Monday. And you get our monthly trivia. We're lining up special guests. Our next special guest, I'm not going to tell them who it is. I know. You wanted to tell them last week. I said no. How amazing is our new special guest? It's It's going to be be really good. Uh, What's going on in your world? In me news. I uh, I am redoing my back closet. Okay, this is boring. You guys, yeah. join the Facebook group. Redoing your back closets. Hey, from where I'm standing, your back closets are just fine. Oh, you wish. Yeah. Could you imagine if this whole time Patrick just had a big old crush on me? What? And this was like a setup for like a long-term date. It's just been a 20-year yeah. catfish. Yeah, <gasps> including like a marriage and a child on my end. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to win her over. Yeah. I'm going to win her over. Let's play Today's the long the game, you guys. Let's play the long <laughs> okay. game. Join the Facebook group, Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. Join us on Instagram every Friday night. We go live, girl, right? Yeah. Why are you asking me like we have not done that for 54 weeks <laughs> in a row? Know, no. It's the Disappeared Pod. That's it. That's it. That's all I got to say. That's it. Should we jump in? Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right, you guys, season four, episode eight, Spring Break Nightmare, tells the story of the disappearance of Colleen Orsborn. A struggling single mother discovers her rebellious daughter has skipped school yet again. She was upset. Colleen would act out a lot. My mom and her would get into little tussles. But when the 15-year-old vanishes into the crowds of Daytona Beach Spring Break, anger turns to panic. She's five foot tall, blonde hair in a bathing suit. There's a couple of them. We just had no witnesses. She just disappeared. A link to a notorious serial killer has investigators on edge. We're at spring break. I've said it once. I've wait, said it. Wait. Are we not going to tell them how we decided that Spring Break Nightmare would have been the name of like the best 80s horror movie? Oh, yeah. Why is that the title? Yeah. the best Spring Break Nightmare. It sounded like it was going to be like, I don't know, sexy and like a shark. and like Sometimes a... the names are so kitschy and cool. And some days they're like, what should we call this? I don't know. It was a nightmare at Spring Break. Done. Dinner. <laughs> when, when they have to resurrect the show for when I go missing, I want it to be called like Bigfoot Massacre. Yeah. <laughs> Or Big Mouth Massacre, you know? (laughs) Just, they're like, oh, the Patrick Hines story. That's so apropos. Look, if I can't get eaten by a sass, I want to die by Big Mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah, these names, sometimes they're just not even trying. Spring Break Break Nightmare, (laughs) baby! Sounds good to me. Good job, Carl. (laughs) Carl works at ID, I guess. So... I just have my first notice. Oh, God, we're in Daytona Beach. Oh, yeah. God. Listen, if I have said it once, I have said it a thousand times. There are two things I don't trust. Yeah. Spring break and back sleepers. <gasps> I don't. 
That is a wildly uncomfortable position to sleep in. And if sleeping on your back is where yeah. you find the most rest and comfort, something yeah. is wrong with you. I want your brains anal analyzed by NASA. And I stand by yeah. it. Okay. I'm never going to think you're normal if you okay. sleep on your back, my dude. That's creepy as shit. Do you sleep on your back? Do I? No, no, no. No, because you're not a sociopath. No, totally. Spring break and back sleepers. <laughs> oh, my Come God. Come and fight me on it. It's mid-March, 1984, in sunny Daytona Beach, Florida. The hum of a hundred Harleys fills the ocean air as annual bike week draws to a close. You had the racers coming in, followed immediately by the bikers, and then right into spring break. So it was just one party to the next to the next. It is uh, mid-March 1984. We are told the hum. You guys, pull over. We are told the hum of 100 Harleys fills the air as the annual bike week draws to a close. And I just wrote, literally, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I, but then I also said, you guys, being raised by lesbians doesn't even get me out of this. My mom loved Harleys. Yeah, I have a very love-hate relationship with motorcycles. My stepbrother broke his collarbone on a motorcycle. Oh my very, God. very dangerous accident. But I have been on the back of a couple motorcycles and it's pretty fucking sexy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I bet, I bet you've been on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah come on, Deb. There you go. Go on, baby. Take two. Oh, no one will ever know. Don't they call motorcycles hogs? I don't know. I bet you've ridden your fair share of hogs in your day. That's the best you could do. <laughs> I feel bad for you now. I know. Now I actually feel bad for you. My mother rented a Harley every year on her birthday. Oh, Rented a Harley. Parker, I know. You're getting skinny, and with the pounds goes the comedy, my friend. <laughs> I'm worried it. about you. You guys, I, if that is the case, you better watch out for a boring ass She's Patrick. She's skinny and boring, <laughs> my friends. You do look great. Oh, you really thanks, do. Girl. I'm not kidding. I'm very proud of you. I'm not not very for hard. the weight. I just I can tell you feel good. I'll and that tell makes you, me my Polly Wally, my trainer, listens, as does his wife, Tony nominee, Lily Cooper. Hey Lily girl. Coops. So you guys, we are learning about 15-year-old Colleen Orsborn. With Colleen and her mother's recent move to a beachside apartment on Butler Boulevard, the adventurous teenage girl is now living just blocks from the heart of the action. She was looking forward to moving to the new apartment because it was closer to the beach. Now she didn't have to take a bus <laughs> to get over to the beachside or rely on rides from her friends and family. I was very relieved to learn at the top that, like, I knew this was about a young girl who went missing on spring break in Daytona Beach. I was very happy to know that she actually lived there. That she hadn't, like, run away to there at 15 years old. Right. That is so weird. Whenever, I, did you watch Cheer on Netflix? No, I know. I know. A terrible gay person. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, everyone who watched it will know that, you know, all they're worried about is Daytona. Right. <laughs> and, and making Matt. And I making, know. Do, do you think you would have made Matt? What does that mean? Just agree. Because I've made a couple of mats in my life. Okay. You know what I mean? I walked into that one. <laughs> Guys, we're in 19... <laughs> Uh, I, I was going to go on with the story, if please, I may. Please, okay. please, So the thing that's interesting, obviously, we're talking no cell phone records, but this case does take some really crazy twists and turns. You guys, it's bananas. But before we get to that, I actually went to Daytona Beach during spring break when you're in college. Can you believe it? And you survived. I survived because I stayed in the fucking car because they allow cars on the beach. What is happening? I didn't know the that. The beaches are like, are one, like one natural beauty of Florida. No, I'm, I know. I know there's lots of natural beauty in Florida. What is the deal with driving the fucking car up and down the beach. I have no that idea. That does not seem good for 
for the environment. I don't think that's a thing anymore. Is it not? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I survived Daytona by staying in the car. I don't think it would have gone great otherwise. Ooh, I smell a t-shirt. Can- <laughs> I survived Daytona by staying in the car. So we meet a couple people here. We meet Marsha Evans, who was Colleen's friend, and we meet Sister Margaret and Brother Bruce. Yeah, I thought Sister Margaret was the mother. We have to remember this took place yeah. a really fucking long time yeah. ago. Like, I've heard this case covered on other podcasts, so it's a pretty well-known case because I was kind of like, why is Disappeared reaching very deep into the archives here? Totally. Well, because it's very, we're going to find out at the end. It is yeah. very interesting. So we learned that, of course, Colleen was very social, very sweet. She was very beautiful. Now, they had just moved to Daytona. Yeah. And they were blocks away from the beach where everything happens in Daytona. And the thing is, like, they tell us, I didn't write it all down because it all sounded terrifying to me, but it goes, like, bike week to spring break to, like, beer bong week to, like, frat boy week. To, yeah. like, it's week after week after week. Sorry, what, what week is frat boy week? Just for, <laughs> just for, that's just actually, so I know. That's you know. actually a really good question. I will be looking on my calendar and I mean, we will be making it. We do have some vacation stuff. <laughs> Reporting up. live from Daytona Beach, welcome to Obsessed with Disappear. Frat week! <laughs> <laughs> we just, like, crash cans on our heads. Can you imagine? So, but we also learn about Daytona Beach that, like, there's shit happening all the all time. All the time. And there's this, th- this thing called the band shell. The band shell, which is a, a little local venue, was having all kinds of free concerts. National known groups were going to be here. There were a lot of students that were skipping school to go to the free concerts. Music is a huge part of Colleen's life. She is determined to see as many shows this spring break as she can. They're talking about this band show that Colleen loved music, and she would skip school to go to these concerts. And I was like, what big band is doing a show at 2.30 in the... I'm like, Def Leppard playing at 2.30 at the fucking band show. Look at you pulling out an 80s heavy metal reference. Not my last one. I've got more. I've got more. Jane's Addiction. Jane's Addiction. Okay. ACDC. Ozzy Osbourne live at the band show. Yeah. I mean, all of these heavy metal bands, which you a couple episodes back, you yeah. really, really isolated yourself on an island there with no heavy metal it's whatsoever. It's true. People got really mad at me for not really being a big fan of the Metallica. You yeah. know what I mean? When do you think the Indigo Girls played the band shell during spring break? Okay. When, so, where do you think they played, though? Like on a Tuesday yeah. at noon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just where all the old lesbians <laughs> came and they're like, my mom was there. My, my mother like rented her Harley and drove down to Daytona to see the Indigo Girls. <laughs> I love that like the Newport Folk Festival is like is the lesbian version of Spring Break, but it's in Rhode Island. That's, that sounds like a blasty blast. It's where the Indigo Girls play. Yeah, that sounds like a great time. The Newport Folk Festival was Lilith there before Lilith there. How dare you? So funny. <laughs> So anyway, Colleen is doing a lot of the skipping of the school. And remember, this is in the 80s, so the reenactments that we're getting... Oh my God, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? The Walkman. The Walkman! Yeah. Oh, but okay. when we also see, like, reenactments of her hanging out with her friends, they're like, uh, I guess we'll give them, like, a side ponytail. Yeah. Like they wore on Kids Incorporated. Yeah. Oh my God, the Walkman. So it's our generational duty to explain what a Walkman is yeah. to the children, right? Sure. Do yeah. you want to go with me on this journey? I definitely don't want to go on you. I will go on this journey with you, sure. So it was 1984, and a Walkman was what you wanted to have. So a Walkman was a portable cassette player. I'm here with your follow-up question. Yeah, sure. What's a cassette? <laughs> Explain to the children what a cassette is. I mean, a cassette is. is also known as a tape. You really feel the music with the Sony Walkman. The Sony Walkman is a tiny stereo cassette player with truly incredible sound. You really feel the music. 
Put on a Walkman and see the world in a whole new light. Anyway, there was a goddamn Walkman, and I thought it was hilarious. Where did you get that ID, eBay? (laughs) Christopher was like, you guys could just use mine. Yeah. (laughs) Christopher Jones. (laughs) I just came up with that on the spot, Christopher. Sick burn, girl. So it's Thursday, March 15th, 1984. We're in Daytona Beach, and it's 7.30 a.m. It's a beautiful day. Mama Frances is getting ready for her new job, and Christopher tells us that Colleen is in bed motionless. (laughs) Her mother tells her sternly that it's her responsibility to get out of bed. My mom had tried to wake her and said, you've missed the school bus, but, you know, take public transportation and left her some money for the regular bus. The mom is, like, already annoyed with Colleen. Like, Colleen just, like, honestly, mom, you did it to yourself. You moved her to Daytona Beach at 15 years old. Yeah. Of course she just wants to sleep in and go party at the beach all day long. Right. You know what I mean? We learned that Francis was like, wake up. You already missed the bus. Here, I'm going to leave bus fare on the counter for you. And Francis had just been out of work due to an illness, which they didn't tell us about. Yeah. And it was just really important that she stayed on They're task. They're not going to do a HIPAA violation on Disappeared Ellen. My God, <laughs> it's not our business. Why are you so It was nosy? just really important important that she kept this job and she didn't want, you know, lazy bones over there to keep her from getting to work on time. So she leaves her there and expects that she's going to go off to school. 4 p.m. rolls around. Mama Francis comes home and the bus money is still on the counter. Later that day, Colleen's mother returns home from work. To her dismay, she finds the bus money still sitting on the kitchen counter. Francis jots down the events from that morning in her journal a record of Colleen's latest attempt to assert her independence. And she is mad. She's so mad about it that she wrote about it in her diary. Right. We she kind of learned that she keeps like a list of all the sort of naughty things yeah. that Colleen does. And I was like, did my mom keep that list? I know. <laughs> but I kind of like love Mama Frances is like Petty LaBelle. She's I, like, totally. dear diary, yeah. my shitty 15-year-old. I mean, well, all 15-year-olds are shitty. I had to pause it so that I could actually read as much of it as I could. All I know is that she wrote she was darned mad. She Aww. was darned mad. Well, at any rate, you got to keep a list. She probably was like, you know what? You're a shit and I'm going to keep a list. Exactly. And so the mom just, she just assumes that Colleen skipped school and went to a concert at the band show that day. AC DC playing the banjo at 2 p.m. sharp, you guys. <laughs> and we learned that, like, Colleen was at this point sort of flexing her independence. Yeah. They had also been struggling with finances. She had changed schools three times in two years. And that is really, really fucking hard. That is hard. really yeah. hard. Did you ever? I changed schools a couple times growing up. It's I, really hard. I changed schools when I was, like, in third grade and then stayed all the way through. I would have, I mean, I had a totally fine time in high school, but, like, it's a very, yeah, it's a very hard thing. re-establishing yourself and friendships and everything. Anyway, she was having some problems. So, you know, we learned that there's a lot of family around the Daytona area. And so Mama Francis is calling all the family members. Like, you know, Mama Francis and Colleen, we learned, would fight a lot. And when they would have these kinds of fights, Colleen would often, like, go to, like, the relatives' house. Right. But nobody has seen her. And the other thing they tell us is, like, she was a good kid. Like, she would call home. Even yeah. if they'd had a fight or she would leave a note and say where she went. And neither of those things had happened. So Mom is very worried, as am I. With no note saying where Colleen has gone, Her mother begins to worry. She decides to poke around her daughter's bedroom. There was an indication at my mom's apartment that she had taken just um, beach items. 
So she looked through her room, and the only thing that was missing was like beach stuff. Like uh, sis went and she took her flip flops and took her sunscreen. But, but and wait, her, her bag. sister Margaret has to translate. She calls them beach shoes, and then basically is like for the idiots. So I'm talking about flip flops. Yeah. <laughs> She translates into beach for us. She translates from beach into human. But she did notice that she left her keys to the apartment and her wallet. And Sister Margaret was like, whatever, she wasn't going far, which leads me to believe that Sister Margaret has never seen an episode of Disappeared. (laughs) There was a concert at the Bandshell that day. So there was an assumption that she just went to the concert and just didn't come home. Although worried... Frances hopes Colleen is just being a rebellious teen and will come home once the spring break festivities end for the day. You know, the mom looks at the calendar. She confirms there was, in fact, a concert at the band shell that day. Air Supply at the band shell today at 1.30 sharp. You know someone's going to be like, Air Supply didn't even become a band until 1989. So that's actually physically not possible. Jefferson Starship at the band shell at, at 4 p.m. sharp. Did you Google these? No. I'm very proud of I you. I just remember the 80s. So it's the next morning, and there's still no word from Colleen. Yeah. And Sister Margaret comes over and helps her mom, you know, sort of make calls. And she reaffirms. And she's kind of like, yeah, it didn't really look like she was going anywhere. Her makeup is here. Her hair products are here. This is so weird. And then I wrote, so they make the very curious decision to call her friends instead of the police. They call all of her friends to find out if anyone's seen her. It's two days, you guys. They have not called the cops yet. The idea being that they had said she kind of would go off for a day or two in the past, which is... She's 15. I know. Oh, God, you guys. 1980s, take care of your children. Oh, my God. But it should be said, at this point, to your point, they're less worried and more annoyed. Yeah, that kind of doesn't change throughout. Yeah, they're just like, why is she being an inconsiderate teenager right now? I know. And and I, I actually applaud them for their honesty because this does not end well. And it was a totally different mindset. Like, the 1980s really were wild, you know, like... Absolutely. And so they were like, why is she... And, of course, there's no phones, there's no, you know, there's no calling, there's no texting, there's just like, I mean, come on, sis, come home. Where are you? As far as they can tell, Colleen's mother is the last person to have seen Colleen. Those of us were mad. Why is she being inconsiderate, you know, being a teenager? Somebody's looking for you. How do you not know somebody's looking for you? We contacted the police that night, and they told us we had to wait 48 hours. So they do eventually call the police. Uh, I wrote, wait, sorry, just to like drive home your further point, I have Margaret and Mom are mad, LOL. Yeah. <laughs> Annoying. Not worried. They are mad. They're like, bitch, first of all. Yeah, totally. We've been worried sick. <laughs> they call the police, and the police told them they have to wait 48 hours. To which I said, oh, the 80s. And I was like, wait, 48 hours from when she went missing? Or like 48 hours from this call? Yeah. Because we're going to learn they wait four days. But I was just going to say, so we are going to learn that they're going to... When's the cutoff of the 48 hours? They're going to see your two days and raise you another two days. Yeah. Sis. They're going to go to the AP of waiting to call the police to file the missing person report. Yeah, and I'm saying if you're in Daytona and someone goes missing, you have my full permission to wait 48 minutes. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's Even that law. sounds a little long. Yeah, you know I'm making I mean? that law today. Yeah, I'm calling totally. someone. I will call someone. Do not test me. We made up a flyer right away, just kind of put it together, taped her school picture and hand wrote missing and her information and put them around the city, around Beachside. At this point, young people are flooding into Daytona Beach for spring break. There are many young women who could easily fit Colleen's description, making the search for her very difficult. 
this is spring break. Every single person yeah. in Daytona matches this description. So, like, that is fucking terrifying. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If we had gotten Daisy from the hospital and, like, we had to, like, see her for a minute and then put her down and then go back and pick her out, I wouldn't be able to do it. No, all those babies look the same. They look exactly they look the like, same. You know, squashed little hairless monkeys. Exactly. They're so like, cute. I'm just. <laughs> I just want to squish all their faces. Maybe, well, I mean, newborn babies are heinous. Right. (laughs) Four days after Colleen Orsborne is last seen in her Butler Boulevard apartment, her mother, Frances, files a missing persons report with the Daytona Beach Police. Since she tells the officer taking the report that Colleen has run away in the past and that they did have an argument prior to her daughter's disappearance, police initially treat Colleen's case as a juvenile runaway. They make the cardinal sin of, like, as they're filling out the police report, they're like, oh, by the way, she has a tendency to run away a lot. Yeah. Don't tell the cops that. Right. And they had just kind of gotten into a disagreement about her skipping school. Yeah. So they actually treated the case like a runaway case, not a missing persons case. Yeah. And it just gave me Kara Kapetsky flashbacks. Yeah. You guys, I'm telling you, you have my full permission to lie to the police on this. Absolutely. You got to do whatever you got to do to help get them out there to find your fucking kid. I totally you agree. do not tell the cops that you just had a fight, and you do not tell them that they have a history of running I know. away. Oh, and, my God. And you God. see it. We see the police report. It says runaway. Yes, yes, yes. So we get a little backstory on Colleen, and we learn that she was the youngest of six, and she was the only one sort of left at home while her parents' marriage was kind of crumbling. Yeah. Which I understand. Like, you know. Six... Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We know. We know you understand about a crumbling marriage. <laughs> no. I'm yeah, just... no. We know you get it. Like, sometimes it doesn't work out. You know what I mean? Have... And I'm not saying whose fault it was. I'm just saying that, like, not all marriages are built to last. You know, are you, do you? Should I go get a drink and come back and you can you can finish your little? Well, I'm just monologue? saying, like you know, I wonder if it's like has anything to do with one's belief in a soulmate. If a marriage then works out, or if it's more about uh, being anyway, impossible so to live Mama with, and work with, and sit in a podcasting studio with. <laughs> I wonder if it has anything to do. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Look, you did the right thing leaving that guy. Every joke I make about a divorce and you is just a joke. You did the right thing, sis. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you guys, her eyes are terrifying when she doesn't mean them to be. When she means them to be, they're real scary. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not a visual medium. That's just for you. <laughs> Anyway, so after 25 years of marriage, Mama Frances sort of packs their bags and they leave Pennsylvania and they move to Florida because Frances had loads of family there. So that made sense. I do love that she's like, I'm leaving this guy's fucking ass and I'm moving to the funnest place in America. (laughs) (laughs) Pennsylvania? Yeah. Yes, we're going to Daytona. Colleen would act out a lot. But then again, being 14 and 15 years old, it's something that's also a part of, of that age where you are acting out whether you have a reason to or not. As Frances waits for her daughter to come home, she wonders if the pressure has become too much for Colleen to handle. Could Colleen have left home intentionally in search of an easier life? If so, Daytona Beach is the perfect place to do so. So investigator Larry Lewis is on the case and he was speculating that she might have been running away from stress or, you know, or the, her life back at home. I ran away once when I was 11 years old. You did? Yeah, I, I grabbed a bag of hot dog buns and two cans of grape juice and I went up the hill for an hour and I came back. My mom didn't even know I had left the house. That is a true story. Did you polish off both bottles of grape juice? Yeah, I just walked yeah. up the hill, yeah. ate the hot dog yeah. buns, drank the grape juice. <laughs> I called it a day. I was like, well, life on the streets isn't for me. (laughs) My mom didn't even know I had left. (laughs) She's 
still she's just standing by the door with a wooden spoon when you get back. No, she's like, oh, hey, girl. Like, I just, no, one, no one cared. And I'm just like gaseous from I all the grape <laughs> juice. <laughs> we had a lot of runaway young people. You'd have people from Massachusetts and Maine and New York that were 12 to 14 years old, you know, there were arguments with mom and dad. They'd come down on our beach side and they'd try to irk out a living. But I wanted to say this detective tells us this like really sad thing. He's like, if she was a runaway in Daytona Beach, she would fit right in. He's like, we have runaways from all up and down the East Coast, ranging in age from 12 to 14 years old. Yeah. He's like, singles out Massachusetts, which is where I grew up. And I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. Does Massachusetts have a reputation I don't know about? But he's saying, like, can you imagine, like, they're 12 years old and they fucking hitchhike to Daytona Beach. Please fucking love your kids or don't have them. I please. Know. I know. So around this time that we learn about Chris. Christopher Wilder. The FBI today added the name of Christopher Wilder to its 10 most wanted list. Wilder, a 39-year-old race car driver, is charged with kidnapping one woman, and he's suspected in the death or the disappearance of six others from Florida to Nevada. He was a serial killer. He was a 39-year-old race car driver. Yeah. Now, let me just give you, like, a visual of this man. First of all, he has a mustache. Yeah, I know. Do with that information what you will. He looks gross and creepy. Yeah. He looks like he eats cigarettes for dinner. <laughs> like That is the grossest visual image I could possibly imagine. Yet perfect for that totally. man. Yeah. Doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. It's just, like, cutting into it. He's like, these ah, are... Ah! Dips it in ketchup. Oh, oh, I love how you tell me to stop and then you continue. I was like, oh, I can make this grosser. I can for sure make this oh, grosser. He's so gross. Anyway, he preyed on young, beautiful women and he sort of baited them by saying, like, oh, you're so beautiful. I'm a photographer. Yeah. Why don't you be a model for me? I mean, it is. I would have for sure fallen for that. Because even though I've had this body my whole life, especially when I was younger, I was like, girl, you look good. <laughs> You look real. You should be in the magazines. Yes. Did you ever say about the time that I actually got my headshots done to be in Faces magazine? No. Yeah, it was. That's a story for another time. But this guy, Chris Wilder, I call him Chris because he's my friend, I guess. Yeah. Christopher fucking Wilder, this fucking dirtbag. But get this, you guys. He was in Daytona Beach on the day that Colleen went missing. So it's April 6, 1984. On that day, that's the day she went missing. And on that same day, he checked into a Howard Johnson's in Daytona Beach, which they say was like not. Not that far from where she lived. Right. But then they do like an aerial thing where they pull up a map and they go. And I'm like, it does look kind of far. They- <laughs> like, it's not like around the corner. Right. You know what I mean? It's just down the beach and around the corner and right. by, past the Harleys, then past the Banshell. But like this fucking active serial killer was in town the day that Colleen went missing. Yeah. I literally have in huge letters. I cannot stress this enough. He is on the loose on his killing spree while she is missing. I know. Oh my God. I know. So we're a month later and they're making all kinds of pleas on the news both local and national officials of the miss america pageant have warned directors of state beauty contests to be on the lookout for christopher wilder that was tom brokaw from the 80s first of all tom brokaw on the 80s like you up bro (laughs) (laughs) okay you guys april 12th 1984 pull the Fuck over. Here we go. Tell a joke so they can pull over because this is serious. Uh, I don't. I, I <laughs> nope. <laughs> So April 12th, 1994, the day after Colleen's picture appears in the paper, a classmate named Angela comes forward. And she says on the morning of March 15th, which is the morning that Colleen went missing, this girl, Angela, is hanging out with her boyfriend in an abandoned school lot. I don't know what that is. Smoking cigarettes, whatever. What's an abandoned school lot? Why doesn't anybody 
anybody go to school in the 80s? <laughs> did you go to school? Uh, I don't know. Did you ever see that movie Summer School with Mark Harmon? No one went to school. No, but I'm sure my husband, my husband drools over Mark Harmon. Weird. Keep I know. going. So Angela tells the cops that a guy that morning, early morning, in his late 30s, wearing mirrored sunglasses, pulls up in a what is described as a luxury blue-gray sedan. He's described as well-groomed, whatever that means. Creepy mustache. Yeah. So, like, we see the reenactment of this girl sitting on a fence with her hot high school boyfriend. This guy pulls up and does the wave, like, waves this girl over, and she goes, mm-hmm. what? Did nobody have parents in the 80s? <laughs> I guess not. Some fucking creepy dude in a mustache waves you over and you go? <laughs> He said he was with a sports magazine or some type of magazine and that he needed to take some pictures. And a matter of fact, did take some pictures of her. The stranger offered the girl $100 to pose for the camera, but she declined. Angela was getting a bad feeling from the way he was looking at her. He tried to entice her into getting in a car with him so that she could go on this modeling career with him. But she never did. She didn't get in the car, so she was lucky. She doesn't do it. She doesn't do it. <laughs> she doesn't do it. <laughs> so Larry Lewis says, well, she was lucky she didn't do that. And I was like, nah, sis, she wasn't lucky. She was fucking smart. Right. She yeah. followed exactly. her gut. She exactly. Like, you look like a fucking creep magnet. Yeah. Get that mustache off your face. Totally. Absolutely not. <laughs> she wasn't lucky. She no. was smart. Fucking smart. But the reason she's come forward to the cops is because she's saying, where we were sitting when I said no to this guy, the guy got back in his car and turned down Butler Street, which is the street that Colleen lived on. Right. And it was like her house was just a couple houses down on this street. Now, remember, the last person we know saw Colleen was her mother. Right. Her mother at like 730, 8 o'clock in the morning. So my guess is that, like, remember, the beach things were missing. So, like, she's like, fuck it, I'm not going to school today. I'm going to go see the Indigo Girls at the band shell but before i do that i'm gonna go to the beach i'm gonna put on my bathing suit and my flip-flops also known as beach shoes according to the sister (laughs) yeah and those are the only things that are missing and so the idea is that like she was maybe walking out of her house and this guy happened to pull down there saw her totally her type pulled over and was like hey gorgeous you want to be a model and the thing that like is so weird about it is that her family and friends that are interviewed today basically describe her as me like she was so confident and thought she was so beautiful that she absolutely Absolutely would have gone for that. Yeah. Like, this is my big break and this is my time. Absolutely. Like, this, this is happening. Absolutely. So, Angela and her boyfriend identify two pictures. One of them is actually Wilder. And the investigator says they couldn't positively identify him other than that they knew he was in town that day. I was like, isn't that enough? I know. I mean, it is for this guy. This investigator's like, so we knew he was there for sure because we have his, like, records from the Hojo. Yeah. And, like, this girl says she saw a guy that fits his description that, like, has his MO, then turned down the the only problem is that, like, they show her a photo lineup and they they weren't like, oh, it was definitely him. It was definitely him. They were like, it was either this guy or this guy. And one of them was Wilder. But he was, like, wearing sunglasses. Like, I yeah. get it. Yeah. I totally understand. So we're at Friday, April 13th. This is the day after Angela tells her story to the police. Connie Chung is back. Hey, Con. Authorities in Colbrook, New Hampshire, today say accused killer Christopher Wilder died accidentally in a struggle with police. You know that I am obsessed with Connie Chung for two reasons. Because she's married to Mauri Povich. Because she's married to Mauri Povich and because... She... Say it like my grandma says it. How does she say it? Mauri Povich. Yeah, I'm not going to attempt Aww. that. And also because she had like a real contentious relationship with Tanya Harding. Like she would interview Tanya and Tanya would always storm out. It's my favorite thing. It's my favorite bit of nostalgia from the 90s. Oh, Connie that Chung is... a Galileo video by the Indigo Girls. Okay. I mean, honestly, we need to put you on a, on a maximum number of mentions on I'm the Indigo 
telling you, girls. the things I love the most about the 90s are the Nan and Ton situation and the Indigo Girls. I don't know. Let's just have a podcast talking about the 90s. <gasps> oh, please. There's 800 of those. <laughs> I would do it. We learn that in Connecticut, in some kind of face-off, yeah. Christopher Wilder is killed by police. Now, remember, he's been on the loose right. this whole time. Like, like he's been actively out there, like, killing young women. And they they get him in Connecticut. But it's like, it's that double-edged sword of, like, he's dead, so he's not going to kill anybody right. else. But he's dead, so now we won't know. We won't be able to get any more answers out of it's him. It's the same reason what Israel Keys. You're like, exactly. oh, great, thanks for killing yourself and taking all your secrets with yeah. you, psycho. Josh Hallmark is going to get to the bottom of it. Josh Hallmark is going to tell us everybody oh, he killed. Josh God, Hallmark is so going to figure it out, you guys. So the FBI has a list of missing women that they can connect to Christopher Wilder, and Colleen actually isn't one of them. Federal investigators find an array of articles left behind in Wilder's car and hope they can be identified by families or friends of the missing. But nothing can be traced back to the 15-year-old girl from Daytona Beach. Of the women Wilder is suspected of kidnapping and killing, agents say that four of them still are missing tonight. And they weren't able to find anything of Colleen's. Right. And, like, the hair samples that they sent didn't really match. But her, like, lead investigator doesn't care. He's right. like, no, I still think it's definitely this Wilder Yeah, guy. the Daytona Beach police are absolutely not convinced, and they are not letting it go. So they go to her room, and they collect some personal items. It seems very... I'm going to say this, and it's not meant to be mean, but it's a little flaily. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. just kind of like... We took her makeup, but we took her nail polish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they were just, remember, there was no DNA testing back then, so I feel like they were just kind of, like, taking everything, which isn't bad. It just didn't seem directed in any way. Because there just wasn't any fucking way to figure this shit out back then. But I do think, we see this a lot in documentaries we cover on TCO, where back in, like, the 80s and the 70s, people would have, like, the foresight to collect stuff like this. I think that they thought that science would get there someday. This stuff might be useful, and, like, let's collect it now. Yeah, we're going to learn that with they do with the yeah totally so even though they didn't have dna testing they did like a microscopic hair hair thing. yeah hair sample like, we're gonna learn that that doesn't end well and it's also later. like i think we know that's not great science either yeah. like but it's what they could do at the time right so now it's thursday april 19th 1984 we're in lake county florida it's six days after that wilder guy was killed in connecticut and we're 50 miles from daytona and some people stumble upon a body in the woods. Because what's in the woods, girl? Bigfoot and bodies. Oh, Bigfoot, God. say it with me, people! Bigfoot and bodies are what you find when you go in the fucking woods. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, Yeah. I'm not playing your Bigfoot shenanigans. <laughs> but go on. I still love you. Colleen's mother, Frances, tells the detective Colleen broke her arm two years earlier in Daytona Beach. I obtained a copy of that x-ray from the doctor who said that if the bone were dissected, they may be able to identify the area that was broken. With Colleen's x-ray in hand, Detective Lewis heads out to the county where the body was found. I actually went to the autopsy in Lake County and got with a medical examiner over there. He had the bone ready and dissected, and we saw no evidence of that damage to the bone. It just wasn't a match. It just yeah. it just wasn't a match. But the thing that's so sad is that the woman that they found in the woods remains unidentified to this day. I know. So we're at Monday, April 30th. We're in Orange County, Florida, and they find out about another tragedy. So there's this area behind Disney World where I guess there's a fishing hole. Right. Sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> some guy is out in the woods literally looking for a fishing hole. Yeah. What does he find? He finds a fucking knee sticking out of the ground. Florida, get your act together. I know. Okay? Get your fucking act together. If you're the state with the alligators and the crocodiles, you can't also be the land where the bodies are just piling up on you, girl, and there's knees sticking out of the ground behind fucking Disneyland. Disney World. But yes, but yes, yes. Florida. Get your shit together. Get your shit together, girl. I've lived in a lot of places. Yeah. And granted, I don't go into the woods that often. I've never found a fucking body. And you know what else? I know people who do go into the woods all the time. Yeah. In places like Texas, places where there's lots of woods. Yeah. They they never find bodies. You know, it actually just occurred to me in this moment. It is weird that your favorite movie is Stand By Me. I love that movie so much. I just said it was your favorite movie. I know. You didn't have to (laughs) react. Okay. Okay. I know it's your favorite movie, but that is weird that your favorite movie is about going to find a dead body. Yeah, no? but it's about like four boys who like love each other. And I don't mean that in a gross way. I just mean that like it's a very, it was like the one boy thing about me when I was a kid. I actually used to love going into the woods. I, I collected snakes and stuff. You had a poster of Stand By Me in your dorm room. I did. I did. I, Sophomore year. favorite movie? And Heathers. And just River Phoenix. Oh. Okay. Central. So the thing about this body that they find in the woods behind fucking Disneyland, Florida, Jesus Christ, the body had been there 10 days to two weeks. It was a 15 to 16-year-old girl, about 5'3", 110 pounds. All of these things match Colleen. But they are told, the authorities are told, that this body does not have a broken arm. Right. Yes. So it couldn't be the same person. They do the same hair thing, and they're saying the hair isn't quite a match either. And that's just it. Like, they call the family, they say it's not her, and they just, like, move on to the next thing. Right. But they do do something. They do do. (laughs) They do do. Uh Uh, No, I can't get past that. They do something very important. They saved the mandible and the skull. Real fast, where's your mandible? I have absolutely no idea. Ugh, it's right here. It's your jaw. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so good at bones. Are you? I am really good at the bones in the body. How and why? I have a very, very weird memory for science. That's bizarre. Yeah, I know. How bizarre. How bizarre. So, okay, guys. Buckle up. Hold on to your butts. Yeah. We're jumping to 2001. Yeah. So, five years after the disappearance, the mom dies. Next stop. 2001, Daytona Beach, two decades after Colleen went missing, and her brother gets a letter. It's a handwritten letter from fucking New Hampshire. What? Why are you covering your face like that? No, I'm just, this story, this this part drives me crazy. Go. Yeah. So, basically, this letter is a fucking confession. Her brother received a letter from an unknown person in New Hampshire who stated that he had killed his sister and had placed her body somewhere near the Tomoka River on I-4. In this unsigned letter that he killed Colleen and placed her body somewhere near the Tomoka River. And the brother is saying, like, it's obvious that this guy isn't from here. Like, he's like not using the right words. Like, he calls it the interstate. Interstate 4, but they call it I-4. The letter refers to Route 14, but they all, they all call that Tomoka Farms Road. Right, and I get that. When yeah. you're from somewhere, there's like a place called the Pulaski Skyway yeah. by me, and people call it the 1-9. Like, uh-huh. you don't, you know, uh-huh. like if you're... <laughs> yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. The letter was basically... A confession, but moreover, it was begging for forgiveness. But they do everything. They test the letter for DNA and for fingerprinting. They couldn't get anything usable. And they're just like, you know, this is probably just a fucking hoax. Are you skipping over this right now? (gasps) Wait, what? First of all, Christopher says the letter comes as a shock. And I was like, really, Christopher? You didn't expect an anonymous confession letter 20 years ago? Well, I'm shocked. Son of a fuck. This is a shock. Are you really breezing okay, over this? I'm sorry. And then, 
do all the testing, and it's a what human dildo would do that to a family? I know. To reopen those wounds like that and give them false hope that after all of these years, the case would be closed. And so, that is diabolical. It is. And I feel like we've seen this before. I feel like we've seen this in Who other episodes. does that? Who I know. would put family through that kind of anguish all over again? That's sick. I know. And so they check this letter and they well, go wait, back. Well, wait. Her lead investigator from the time, he's been promoted to head of the fingerprinting division. I didn't know that that had its own yeah. full division. I what, said, what is it you do all day, my dude? <laughs> I know. I said, congrats on the promotion. I'm not really sure. Like, that's a, is that a step up? Yeah. That's a promotion? Yeah. Good job. What, what's, what, what should we give to Larry? He needs a promotion. <laughs> Make him head of fingerprinting. <laughs> What does that do? I don't know. We're not, don't, we're not real don't sure. Don't tell him. Yeah, totally. It sounds like an fish title, though. But you know what, though? He's back on the case for this. He's dealing with the letter. Later, I know. He's still on the case. I That's know. Amazing. I know. So if, you, if everyone needs anything fingerprinted or documented, get in touch with Larry Lewis. This guy's Loves your guy. Loves his job. <laughs> So, again, hold on to your butts. It's January 2011, and late in the game, we have a late in the game down bitch. We sure do. Yep. She's got her own TV show, it turns out. Yeah, I mean, listen, the down bitch came. She came yeah. two-thirds in, but she's here. The Orsborns are contacted by the Orange County Medical Examiner's Office, headed by Dr. Jan Garavaglia, who also hosts the TV show, Dr. G Medical Examiner. The news is explosive. Well, they just said they had found Colleen. They said, well, it's 90% sure. Right, so it's 27 years after Colleen vanished. The sister gets a phone call, and she's told that, like, investigators are revisiting that body that was found out behind Disney World. Could you imagine that phone call? No. Like, hey, Mags. I know. Um, how's it going? How are I know, you? the heat, the humidity, my <laughs> hair. Am I right? Real quick. Um, Thank God we didn't, we're not still getting those perms like we did back when this whole thing started. LOL. Anyway, reason for my call. Remember that body behind <laughs> Disney World? Remember that guy looking for a fishing hole that found a knee sticking up out of the ground? Like, that call, like, all those years I know. later. I know. She's, like, stirring her coffee, and she just stopped. Yeah. Coming huh. up. Yeah. I do remember that. So they're re-examining whether or not that could be Colleen. And all of a sudden, we're meeting the down bitch of the episode. Her name is Dr. G. She's got a TV show called Dr. G Medical Examiner. Have you ever heard of this show? No. Now I have, because we're best friends. Well, she's the medical examiner of Orlando. And she got a TV show, because her whole mission was to identify all the unidentified bones that she has, like, laying around the office. I know. And basically, she was like, yeah, I couldn't really let go of the similarities. Yeah. Between your sister and that body. That just didn't sit right with me, sis. No, and she's really fucking awesome. Like, she really, really, really wants to, like, get justice for these people. And moreover, she's basically like, our DNA is so much more advanced all these years, so let's go figure some shit out. All of them slowly got their DNA sent to the uh, FBI. They have been compared to family members of the missing who have voluntarily submitted their DNA samples in hopes of one day finding their loved ones. Then, in 2010, Dr. Garavaglia receives a call from the FBI 
saying there has been a credible hit linking the unidentified girl to a woman who lives near Daytona Beach. Yeah, and so they are able to, like, extract DNA from, like, the old bones in these cases. Remember how they kept the mandible in the skull? Yes, yes, yes. yes. So they extract DNA from that. It's mitochondrial DNA. I know you did a big Google machine search on this. Yeah, mitochondrial DNA. Let's give it a two-sentence max on this. Don't don't (laughs) silence me. I will not be silenced. How dare. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. now, now I'm in a monologue. Okay. <laughs> so, mitochondrial DNA traces a person's mother, mother side yeah. DNA, and it's passed down, it's unchanged DNA that is passed down to all children, male or female. So, the point being, they were able to get Sister Margaret's DNA and, to match Colleen's mitochondrial DNA. And even before they knew these bones were ever going to be tested, like, the cops collected DNA from the family just in case. Yeah. Like, in case we could ever use it to match against something. So, they have her sister's DNA on file, and you guys, it's a fucking match. I happen to notice that the missing photograph of Colleen had her teeth showing in a beautiful smile. The medical examiner intends to compare the contour of Colleen's teeth in the photo to the Jane Doe's teeth, which have been kept at the morgue as evidence for the past 27 years. So I'm very confident that it will probably be Colleen Orsburn. Right, because the mitochondrial DNA was like a 90% match, but she really wanted like one other way. They couldn't get the dental records, so they did the teeth matching another way. And it's fucking her, you guys. July 20th, 2011, it was declared that that body that they found like pretty soon after Colleen went missing actually was the body of Colleen. And down bitch Jan is like, you know what? They did not handle this case properly. Yeah. And she's very respectful, but she is very curt. She's just like, they made some really bad decisions. The rate Radiologist just focused on the radiology report. Nobody x-rayed those bones so to the bone, see if it remember, had a break. Yeah, exactly. Because the whole thing was they ruled this body out as being Colleen because the family was told that there wasn't the break in the arm that that should have been there. Right. And Dr. G is saying they didn't actually re-x-ray. There was just a report that yeah. was given to them that said there's no By break. a radiologist. Yeah. A radiologist doesn't know how to look at, you know, x-rays. And above that, she also was like, why did you guys test the hair off her curling iron? The family clearly states there are two other sisters in the household and she had five dear friends that were constantly over the house. She said there is no way that she could confirm that the only person that used that curling iron was Colleen. Dr. G is just spitting facts and, like, debunking all of this nonsense. But, I mean, she got justice for this family. I mean, not justice, but at least the the family, you know, has closure. And not to mention the fact that we get to have an episode where we know what fucking happens in the end. I know. They still don't know who killed her. I mean, in my gut, I think it's that fucking garbage creep guy. How could it not be? And so do, like, the other investigators. Like, again, like, he was into, like, it makes sense that it was him because of the timeline. Absolutely. Because her friends never met up with her. So, like, she was picked up, like, pretty soon after leaving the house. Something happened to her, like, right after. She never—it wasn't, like, midday that it happened to her. So it makes sense that this guy, in the early morning, tried to pick up that other girl, turned onto Colleen Street. She was getting ready to leave the house to go to the beach. Yeah. This guy stopped her, and, like, that was that. Like, that makes perfect sense. It all makes sense. But at least this family can just at least put their daughter, their sister, to rest yeah. after all these years. And fucking down, bitch, G. Yeah. You are a down fucking bitch. I'm sending you a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> All right, say something funny. The Indigo Girls suck. Bow, 
you want more shenanigans, join the Drama Club. Three full bonus episodes. There's 10 episodes of Snapped. We are now into See No Evil. You guys, it's this show we're obsessed with where they figure out who the murderer was by going through all of this, like, so cool. all of this surveillance video. Yeah. I am obsessed. Yeah. I really, I really love this I show. I really, really love it. Also, if you have a moment and you haven't already, will you give us a five-star review on iTunes? Yes. Write a little review. It helps people find our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. Also, you guys, just a reminder, our True Crime Trivia is coming up the first Friday in May. We've got a really fucking cool special guest. Um, you can join the Patreon right up to, like, right before trivia that night if you want to play with us. It's going to be super fun. Follow us on Instagram. It's The Disappeared Pod. We go live every Friday night at 6 p.m. And it's so fun. It's so fun. We love interacting with you guys. You guys are honestly the best. Thank you so much. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. We're in 1984. We I already told them that. I already told them the year. But you please continue. Wow. You know I don't listen to you when you talk. I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the point that we is kind of driven driven home to us over and over. You is okay. You need a break. This is a big gulp of air. You're right. You feel a little. You know, <laughs> I'm like Jennifer Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, that is such a deep cut musical Mondays at Splash. Oh, <gasps> You're gonna love ah 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 ah. Two people get that joke if it's kept in. Okay. I had one friend. It might have been you that let me off the hook real early, being like, "Not all kids are cute." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When Lola was born, um, I went down the hall to, like, learn how to swaddle. The nurse went, oh, what a pretty baby. And I'm like, it's fine. I know newborns are ugly. And she goes, no, that baby's pretty. I've seen some ugly babies. <laughs> May you never look. You guys, you can't see this, but our beautiful podcast studio is um, a windowless, ventless room. Please never drink the grape juice before you come in here.